testimony of Jesus. If you are a born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are his testimony here on earth. He came to give you everything that he was, everything that he had, so that you could walk in his fullness here in this life, so that you could draw others unto him. And we are here to celebrate this amazing Jesus that we have. He came to earth and he grew among us to give us something. Willing to sacrifice whatever he had to, willing to suffer whatever he had to, he came to give us something. He being the word set forth in flesh, in flesh and blood in this life, came so that we could be his testimony here. So that we could do the eternal, yes, so that we could reign in eternity with him, yes? But that's the end. We have a journey to complete for him on the way. And he came so that you could help him accomplish his, God's ultimate goal. So you are important, and you are an integral plan of what God has intended. So everyone say this with me. Jesus came in the flesh... And he came for me. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. So you see, we have this amazing calling. You get to be a part of this amazing calling. You get to be a part of this grand gift. You get to be a part of this perfect prophecy, Jesus. And as we allow Holy Spirit to work in us, as we yield to Holy Spirit and allow him to work in us, we become Jesus' reflection. Who in here wants to be Jesus' reflection? I want to be Jesus' reflection. And he turns us into his reflection. How many in here are willing to do what it takes to be the clay on the potter's wheel? Yeah, we want to be clay on the potter's wheel, don't we? Hallelujah. We want to be moldable in Jesus' hands, the most loving hands you could ever encounter. So there's no fear there. There's just blessing there. And so we want to be moldable in his hands <coughs> so that we can allow him to perfect in us his shining reflection. That's what you get to be. You get to be his shining reflection. Hallelujah. <coughs> so if you are a believer in Christ, if you're a believer in Christ, say, I'm a believer in Christ. If you're a believer in Christ, you have this beautiful opportunity to be his testimony in his stead here on earth. That's a lot to celebrate right now. That's a lot to, ce that's a lot to celebrate all year, but we're particularly celebrating it at Christmas, right? And you want to take that celebration to other people. Um, he said he was going to leave so that you know, we would do greater things, right? Yeah. So that we could do good things. So what better gift could we give to those around us than to give a true testimony of what Jesus has done and the blessing that he has brought to our lives? Okay? So how are we going to be his reflection? We're going to look at some scriptures. We're going to start in Philippians 3, verses 7 through 11. Philippians 3, verses oh, 4 through 11, I think. No, 7 through 11. But anyway, <coughs> in this particular scripture, 
It tells us that as we die to self, as we die to self, as Jesus did when he chose to come to earth, did he have to die to self when he chose to leave glory in heaven and come here? Yes, so as we choose to do the very same thing that he did, we attain, listen, we attain resurrection from the dead. Because you were dead in sins before you knew it, right? So we need to recognize that we attain resurrection from the dead. Yes, for eternal purposes, but here right now, in the, in the living, in this life. And when this occurs, <coughs> we become, sorry, I have something in my throat all of a sudden. <coughs> we become light, the light and the light, the light and the life of Jesus to those around us. We become his testimony to bless others. And the wonders that he works, I have some, thanks though. The wonders that he works in us become our testimony. So the miracles that he works for you, the healings that he does in your life, the provision that he has for you, the, the blessing, whatever that is, it's your testimony, it's important. That's why he tells us to remember, remember the things that he's done for us, right? And as we share, listen to this, as we share our testimony with others, what you're really doing is you are prophesying the same thing into their lives. That's what you're doing. That's why your testimony is important. It's not just a feel-good thing. It is the power of prophecy when you share the testimony of Jesus, what he's done for you. You are prophesying that very same goodness into the lives, that very same salvation, whatever, into the lives of others, okay? And you want to be a good prophecy, a, a, a good prophesier into other people. Um, and you know, can I, just in a little bit of a side note here. In 1 Corinthians 14, uh, it says, follow the way of love. And it says, you know, to desire spiritual gifts, most of all to prophesy. Okay, now, I'm not specifically speaking about the gifts right now. But let's think about that. Why, that when you, that's what you're actually doing. Everyone in here can prophesy. It, it, it's not a sp special gift for the office of a pastor or evangelist or whatever. You have the power of prophecy in your own life. And so when it says desire the spiritual gifts, and like I say, I'm not talking about specific gifts today, but it says specifically to prophesy. Well, that's what you're doing. Prophecy, that's what you're doing every time you share the powerful testimony of Jesus in your life. And it's important that we all do that. It's really who we are. Okay? So anyway, Philippians 3, 7. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, 
not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. Through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. That's your faith in Christ. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. I just don't want to know that he's resurrected. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to walk in the power of his resurrection. He didn't get resurrected for nothing. God resurrected him so that you could walk the very same way that he walked. So that you could do the same thing and greater things. And it's time to stop limiting our lives, saints. It's time to believe the whole gospel, the resurrection life. There's power in the resurrection. And you get to know his power. Not just the facts of a resurrected Jesus. You get to have the living power of Jesus in your life and for other people, for for those yet to believe and for believers that might be struggling around you right now, you know. And this is an open door of opportunity, especially this season when people's hearts are ready and receptive and, and, you know, they're they're seeking and searching. But (coughs) we have this open door of opportunity to set aside the worldly gain, to set aside all the the worldly trimmings and, and all those callings, the worldly callings. We have this opportunity to set those aside, understand what it is to deny self for the sake of another, the way Jesus did for us. You know, he came humbly from glory, right? He gave up all that. He came as a man, yuck, who'd want to do that, right? No, seriously, who'd want to do that? But he did. And so we have this opportunity to do the same. (coughs) I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Okay, the moment you believed on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you you were resurrected from the dead. But now you get to walk in the fullness of all that that means. And you get to bring his power to bear in your life and in the lives of others. In dying to self, we receive resurrection from the dead. In this lifetime, And we attain the power of the resurrection in this lifetime. Because death to self is life in Christ. Death to self. And I'm not trying to be a a, a downer here. The most glorious thing we can do on earth is die to self. It is the most glorious. It (laughs) releases you from so many bondages and chains and insecurities and condemnations and things like that. When we truly can die to self, we gain the victory of Christ, the power of Christ, the love of Christ, the ruling and reigning with Christ. And (laughs) that's what he wants for you. We exchange the rubbish of this world for the splendor of heaven. You get to walk in the splendor of heaven here, in this atmosphere here. You get to bring the atmosphere of heaven here. 
He brought the atmosphere of heaven to us. Now, whether we receive it or not is, you know, that's everyone's individual choice. But he brought the splendor of heaven to us in his birth because he died to self. Hallelujah. Wow. You know, in in, um, John 6, he says he's the bread, it says he's the bread of heaven. He's the bread of heaven. You've received the bread of heaven. <laughs> so we get to exchange all the entanglements of, of worldly living for freedom in Christ. True freedom is freedom in Christ. Free, and and what is, what, think of all the yuck that you get to leave behind. What is that? Freedom from fear. Freedom from self-condemnation. Freedom from rejection. Freedom from um, one-upmanship. Always needing to outdo somebody else. Always needing to prove that you're a little better than somebody else or you have it a little better than somebody else. See, because none of that matters. None of that matters. And when we receive what Christ has done, we're, we're secure in that. And we can just love on people. No matter what, we just get to love on people. You know, and it, it's, it's awesome. So, the glory of the, whatever the glory is that this kingdom on this earth has to offer is nothing in light of the blessing of the kingdom of God that we've received, the bread of heaven. So why wouldn't we want to die to self, right? There's power in the crucified life. There's freedom in the crucified life. There's life in the crucified life. <laughs> um, we become powerful people when we walk crucified. So we get to walk, that's when we get to walk in signs and wonders and miracles. And I don't just mean super, and I do mean the supernatural. I do mean that. We believe in the supernatural. Okay? But do you know it's also supernatural that your life has been transformed? And then the transformation in you speaks to other people and brings life to other people? changes other people's lives. You're not even going to know on this earth how much when you're walking a crucified life, how much you've done to help another human being. You may not never know that till you get to heaven. And you know, the religious of the day, when the disciples walked the earth, the religious of the day would be, get very um, upset, right, when the disciples would talk about resurrection from the dead and Jesus being the resurrection, right? They would get the religious, the, the teachers, the elders, the religious people. And in Acts, I'm not going to go to Acts <coughs> 3 and 4 today, but in Acts 3 and 4, after Peter and John had healed the crippled man at the gate beautiful in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, um, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers became very incensed. They were very incensed by this because Peter and John were preaching Jesus as resurrection from the dead. That's what they were preaching, and it made them very. It made the rulers, the elders, the religious people very mad. And the n- the number of believers kept growing. So, see, when you when you testify of His resurrection power in your life, the number of believers grows right? And it says that 5,000 were added at that time. And they were, the, the rulers, the elders were threatened 
by that. It threatened their power, personal power, self-power, okay, governmental power. It threatened their power, okay, because light always dismantles darkness. So you're a darkness dismantler. That's who you are. Say, I'm a darkness dismantler. Hallelujah. So the religious authorities, what did they do? They commanded them to stop preaching in the name of Jesus. Well, were they going to do that? No, they weren't going to do that. Are you going to do that? No, you're not going to do that. Because who you are is is the resurrected from the dead. It's who you are. You can't separate it from yourself. You have to preach you, right? He made you you for a purpose. So it's the same today. When, when we preach, people become, okay, and I'm not talking about preach here in the pulpit. When you share, let's put it that way. When you share, sometimes people become very irritated with you. They don't want to hear it. Well, that's okay. Just preach on, sister. <laughs> Just preach on, brother. <laughs> they treat you like you don't have a brain. <laughs> they treat you like your ha- head is in the sand. They treat you like you're off in la-la land. They treat you like you have like no brain, like no logic. Well, excuse me, since when was the gospel logic? The gospel isn't logic. The gospel is faith. The gospel is faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Why would it be impossible to please God without faith? Let's, let's just think about that, because that sounds like kind of a mean statement. But it's a loving statement. It's like such a kind statement. It's an awesome statement. Because you know what he's saying? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Why does he want you to have faith? Because he wants you to have everything he had. He wants you to have everything Jesus brought to this earth. He wants that for each and every one of us. So that is like the most loving statement that he could say to us, because that's the way that you access the atmosphere of heaven, the kingdom of God, faith in Jesus. Faith in Jesus. Not you, not your own works, not your abilities, not your education. Okay, the gospel is based on faith. And our faith brings the gospel of Jesus into manifestation here. God designed it that way. My God tells me in Psalm 27, I will see the goodness of God where? In the land of the living. I'm going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. So, he's going to work everything out for our good because we're called according to his purposes and plans, right? Okay. So as we walk in our freedom, the the freedom that we have in Christ, freedom from past mistakes, freedom from past indiscretions, freedom from dead life, which who wants dead life? Nobody. That's kind of an oxymoron, isn't it? You can't really say dead life, can you? Right? (laughs) It's either dead or it's life. (laughs) So anyway, but that's just the term that I happen to use. Freedom from self. See? Our future is bright, beloved. The knowledge that we can, listen, the knowledge that we can abandon ourselves into the hands of a loving Father brings peace and rest. 
Don't you just, when you think about, okay, think about that. Say this to yourself. I can abandon myself into your loving hand, Father. How does that make you feel? That takes like a whole weight off me. That takes a burden off me. That brings me peace and serenity. Oh, Father, I get to abandon myself into your hands. Like, I don't have to worry about getting back. I don't have to worry about being provided for. I don't have to worry about anything. He loves you more than you love yourself. So anyway, when we allow ourselves to get out of the way and, and just rest in his hands, we suddenly become aware of, of open doors and new opportunities that he provides for us, new paths to walk in. And we get to then freely press on toward his goal, his plans, his purposes for the high calling of God, right? For the high calling of God. Who in here wants to press on toward the high calling of God? I want to press on toward the high calling. And you know what? I get to rest assured when I rest in him, he's going to complete all the good plans that he came to give me, that he came to this earth to open up for us. What a loving, beautiful Jesus we have. Philippians 3.12. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He has taken hold of you. When, you. when you're a believer in Jesus, he has taken hold of you to give you something so that you can press on for everything that he has already attained, for everything that he has already taken hold of you. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ. Yes, you get to go to heaven, but he's called you heavenward in this life, heavenward living in this life in Jesus. Okay, and he's already provided that for you. We will keep pressing on to take hold of all the fullness that Christ has already attained for us. See? Hallelujah. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things, and if, this is so reassuring, this is very reassuring, and if on some point you think differently, Think differently than what? Or think differently than who? So, yeah, if you think differently than what's been given you, th than what's already been attained right here in the Word, if you think differently, what's he going to do for you? Listen, that too God will make clear to you. Hallelujah. I am so thankful that I, as I remain yielded to Holy Spirit, because Holy Spirit is with us, if, as I remain yielded to Holy Spirit, God is going to make clear those points in my life, those places in my life where I'm thinking differently than he is, where something's hindering me, okay? He's going to make it clear to me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 
Only let us live up to what we have already attained. <coughs> so ev- that would be everything that Jesus came to give us. So let us live up to that. So we've already been given this full, beautiful, wonderful gospel. If at some point you think differently, that too God will make clear. Be teachable. Just, be, just remain teachable. Because we serve a God who is going to make our way clear. He will make your way clear. What does the scripture say? Whether you turn to the left or the right, he's going to be a voice behind you saying, this is the way to go, walk in it. Okay, it's a promise you have. Only let us live up to what we've already attained. So we must make it our intention, we just make it our intention to understand what Jesus has already purchased for us. And believe it, have faith for it, in our lives to attain it. So, what happens when we walk this way? It's very important that we walk this way. When we walk this way, others see that in your life, and they're drawn to the remedy. They're drawn to the remedy. They see the fruit, or they see the blessing, or they see the overcoming, and they're drawn to the remedy. What's the remedy? Every single one of you knows the answer to this, and I'm not going to say another word until somebody tells me. What is the remedy? What? Yes, thank you. Jesus! Jesus! Jesus. The remedy. The only remedy. One and only remedy. So it's important... It is so important that you live free from condemnation. It is so important that you live in your freedom, the freedom of Christ. Not in the condemnation that Satan wants to bring you every moment of every day if you're going to choose to listen. He's constantly trying to discourage you. Constantly trying to bring attacks in your life. Guess what? He can form a weapon against us, but it can't prosper. Right? that no weapon formed against us will prosper. Okay? So he can try to form the weapon because our weapons are what? Our weapons are what? Yeah. Our weapons are not carnal. Our weapons are stronger than his weapons. The reality of life is spiritual. So our weapons are stronger than his weapons. So, how... How do we walk in this freedom? How do we walk in what he, uh, attaining what he has given us? How do we do this? We have to stop listening to every single lie that the devil casts our way. Must stop listening to the lies of the devil. If it's contrary to this word, it's a lie, and you don't put any credence in it. Okay? You have to know your blessing covenant. You have to know the covenant of love. It is a covenant of love. You have to know the covenant that you've been given. Because God never changes. His covenant will never change. It is yea and amen. Okay? But you must know your covenant so that you stop listening to what the devil has to say. You have to know the power of the blood. You have to know the power of the blood that has been shed for you. There is nothing stronger than the blood. There is nothing stronger than the love of Jesus than the love of the Father for you. Hallelujah. 
You have to take your stand in the authority that you have in Christ. You have to know your authority and you have to stand in it so that you will not listen to the lies of the devil. You have to be Job's. I have to be a Job. You have to be a Job. Job was not swayed. He was not swayed by the demeaning and the ridiculing of others. He was not swayed by the lies. He was not swayed by the attacks. Did he go through some difficulties? Yes, I would say some severe difficulties. (laughs) Probably more severe than any of us will ever face in our lives. But he was not swayed. All those lies were influenced by Satan, right? They were all influenced by Satan. And in Job 27, I'm going to read this to you, listen, and I want you all to remember this when you're going through struggles. I want you to remember this when you feel like there's been an attack against you in your life. Job 27, verse 5. I will never admit, he was speaking to his, his accusers' demeanors, I will never admit you are in the right. Till I die, I will not deny my integrity. I will maintain my righteousness and never let go of it. My conscience will not reproach me as long as I live. That's a solid foundation right there. That's a solid consciousness of knowing who you are in God and knowing what God does for us. Okay, it could be stubbornness if you're not yielded, right? So do you want to watch for stubbornness? Yes. But if you have checked yourself, we need to all stand like Job. Job was not being stubborn here. Job was standing in the righteousness that he had from God. That's what he was doing. And so when an attack comes and tries to tell you you've done something wrong or that can't be covered or whatever, you need to know your righteousness in God and you need to stand and you need to say, I will not question my integrity. I will not. I will not listen to your lies, Satan. I will not. I will stand in the truth that I know. I will stand in my righteousness from the Lord because I serve a God who is faithful. Okay? And we need to understand and we need to... Oh, by the way, okay, who else? Who can you think of in the New Testament that did this very same thing, basically? Who can we think of? Paul! Yes! What did Paul say? Paul said, I'm the worst of sinners. And then what else did he say? I've sinned to no man. Well, doesn't that make you, I mean, I've sinned, I've wronged no man. Well, doesn't that make your brain go a little tilt? You know, like, well, how can that be? How can you talk out of one side and then say out of the other side, okay? How can that be? How can that be? How can that be? Because he knew who he was in Christ. He knew who he was before, and he knew who he was with Christ. He knew his righteousness. He knew that he had been forgiven. He knew that he was a new creation. Beloved, this is what Jesus came to give us. 
We aren't just celebrating the birth of this little baby. Yes, it's wonderful. It's beautiful. But we are celebrating the birth that we get to because of Christ being sent, because he was willing to deny self, we get to walk in this type of victory and assuredness in this life. And you get to share that with everybody when you see the downtrodden, when you see the brokenhearted. You get to be this strength and this hope. The hope of a king that came to be a baby to serve us so that we can know the power of his life. Wow. So we need to understand and we need to receive the powerful love. It's all from the powerful love of God. We need to receive the powerful love of God in our own lives. We need to stand assured in the salvation. And I'm not just talking about being born again salvation, yes, but in the salvation, sozo life, in every area of our lives. And then we get to do what? We get to testify about Jesus. We get to prophesy Jesus. And all that that brings, the victory, the reigning, we get to prophesy that into people's lives. When you testify about what Jesus has done in your life, when you open your mouth and you're not ashamed and you say, this is, these are the great things that the Lord's done for me, you are prophesying that very same thing so what, into others' lives. So what are you prophesying? You're prophesying hope to them. You're prophesying new birth to them. You're prophesying um, resurrection life to them. You're prophesying redemption to them. You're prophesying peace to them. You're prophesying joy to them. You're prophesying ashes into glory in their lives. That's what you're prophesying. You are dismantling the devil and you are bringing the light and the life of Jesus to them. No greater gift. No greater gift could you give to another human being. You get to prophesy life everlasting. You get to prophesy that God has good plans for them, his good plan in their lives. You're saying, sweetheart, no matter what you're facing today, no matter how desperate you might think the situation is, no matter how much you might be feeling defeated right now, no, much, no matter how much you might feel a struggle right now, there's victory for you. There's victory already planned in your life. Jesus made it that way. You will see his victory. I will see. Okay, say it with me. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Yes. Yes, I will. He's my ever-present help. 2 Timothy 1.8. 2 Timothy 1.8. So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me, his prisoner. We've all been in prison at some point in our lives. We should not be ashamed of those prisons. We allow the Lord to use them for his glory. They will be used for his glory. Never be ashamed of a suffering or a prison or a chain or a shackle or a hurt. 
Don't let people shame you to think that you're supposed to be some super Christian that this isn't supposed to happen to. Okay? Never be ashamed. Because when you choose not to walk in shame, you bring life to another human soul. So never be ashamed of a weakness that you feel. God will turn it into a strength if you, if you allow him to. If you allow him to. So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me, his prisoner. Because even in those so-called prisons, those chains, those heartaches of life, those disappointments, those struggles that we go through, we need not be ashamed. But join me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. We turn that thing over and the power of God comes forth on the scene to help us, to change things. By the power of God, who has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. He has a purpose and a grace and he's going to help you through because, he, because of his purpose and his grace. He works everything for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. What a good God. He already had it all figured out. Hey, did you ever realize that? Did you ever think about that? He had it all figured out. <laughs> Does that make you feel like you don't have to be anxious? <laughs> but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus. Okay, now here they're, uh, you know, appearing like in Revelation, but let's think of it also physically. He appeared on this earth so that we could have this. He came to you. He came to me so that we could have this. Hallelujah. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death <coughs> and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. That is a really big sentence. That's a really big thought. <coughs> that is a tremendous statement. So his resurrection life, his hope-filled life, and immortality are brought to light in us. You are a big, powerful person in Jesus. You are big, strong, powerful, stronger, more powerful than you even know. Because this is what, when you receive Jesus, when you walk as his reflection, when you die to self so that he can be reflected out of you, that's what happens. His resurrection life, the immortality, is brought to light in you, in you, through you, in the here and now. What a testimony you have because of this. What a testimony you have because of the birth of your Lord Jesus Christ. Say, what a testimony I have. What a prophecy I am. Thank you, Lord. Verse 11. And of this gospel, 
I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That's you. You are a herald of the gospel. You are a teacher of the gospel. Do you all realize how much faith the Lord has in you? That is, verse 12, that is why I am suffering as I am, yet I am not ashamed because I know whom I have believed. I know whom I have believed, and I'm not going to be moved. You're not going to be moved. And I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. So if we are entrusting things to him, we're laying ourselves aside, aren't we? We're laying ourselves aside and we're saying, Father, I am here to please you. Didn't Jesus say that that was his goal? To please his Father? So I'm going to lay aside anything that I need to lay aside so that I can please you. And you know, the thing is, when you go through that, it might seem painful in the present, but it's really not. It's the grandest thing you could ever do because the blessing of the Lord just showers upon us when that happens. He makes sure that we get so much goodness out of being yielded. So our testimony of Jesus and what he's done for us is our testimony of the gospel and your prophesy, your prophecy into others' lives. And when you share your testimony, and you know what? It isn't always in word. It's not always in word. It can be word or deed. Not works. I didn't say works. <laughs> deed motivated out of the love of God, right? God's love shed abroad in our hearts, flowing out of us. Indeed. That's what we call fruit. We don't call that works. That's fruit. Okay? Um, but it, whether that's word or deed, that prophecy, that, that prophecy that you've just sown into someone else's life, that is the power to bring immortality and light to another. Think about that. Did y'all catch it? Okay. So immortality to another soul who will be able to abide with Jesus forever because of what you brought to the table in the name of Jesus. <laughs> you will be the light that will open the understanding. You are the light that opens the understanding of their hearts. It opens their eyes to the most powerful force in the universe. What is the most powerful force in the universe? The love of God. Most powerful force. And you get to be the open door for another human being. And the fruit that you bear in your own life, what I bear, the fruit, not the works, the fruit that I bear as the testimony of Jesus is a miracle. It is a sign. It is a wonder. You know, we all strive after, and I believe in signs, wonders, and miracles. I've seen plenty of them in my own life. I'm, I stand here today because of miracles. But this is a sign, a wonder, and a miracle, the goodness of God in your life that draws other people to him. So we, we, we all want to think about signs, miracles, and wonders as the big ones. <laughs> but it's your everyday life when you're walking it, reflecting Jesus because of the testimony that he's given you. Right? Hallelujah.
So what fruit do you have, okay? We're going to go through some fruit. Y'all willing to stay here a little bit longer? (laughs) Good, because I'll just preach even if y'all leave. (laughs) But what, what fruit do we have, okay? Your faith, your faith in Jesus fertilizes the ground that breaks up the rocky soil in somebody else's life. Did you ever think about that? Your faith can break up that rocky soil and make it receptive to the seed. Hallelujah. The trust that you demonstrate in Jesus causes their souls, whether they understand it or not, it it, it has to because it's by the Spirit of God. The trust that you put in Jesus causes their souls to leap for the very same thing. You understand that? You get that? Your faith being is demonstrated in the fruit, and then you become the testimony of so much more than y- you're ever aware of. So yes, you're, you're the testimony of salvation. You're, you're the testimony of the born-again experience. Hope beyond all hope, right? Hope beyond all hope. Total redemption. Total redemption from every wicked thing from every wicked thing. Reconciliation into the kingdom of God. Man, these are major packages, guys. These are major items. But sometimes the people that you're testifying to, they may not understand all of it right away, but your fruit, the goodness that they see, the patience that they see, the hope that they see, see, it draws them. It draws them. And it's a dem- those things are a demonstration of the manifestation of Jesus in your life. And it draws them to him. So let's look at some of the fruit. Okay? I've mentioned faith. I've mentioned hope. I've mentioned some other things. But we're going to go s- through some specifics. Okay? Forgiveness. Okay? Now, these may not be listed in fruit of the Spirit but I'm just talking about fruit in your life as a result of you knowing Jesus and laying aside self. Okay, forgiveness. So when others, whether they're believers or whether those yet to believe, when they witness your freedom, the freedom in your life toward others, even when perhaps you have a right to you know, have a, an angry emotion or something like that, you might have a right, but we, we don't want to walk that way. But so when they see your forgiveness toward others, or when they see, this is very important, beloved, your forgiveness towards yourself. It's important that we forgive ourselves. Because when others see your forgiveness toward others, or your own forgiveness toward yourself, they see that they can be forgiven they see that they can be forgiven by God. They see that it's okay to forgive themselves. That's so critical. So that they don't continue to walk in condemnation when, when the devil tries to talk to them. And they see that they also can then let go of the pain and the anger and forgive others. So that's an important fruit in your life. When you share about how you're forgiven or, or how you have forgiven. Mercy mercy. 
when they see you extend mercy, I'm going to extend mercy instead of revenge. I'm not always concerned to getting mine back or getting back at somebody that did me wrong. When they see that mercy, and when you've been wronged, and maybe you have a right to recompense, right? You might have a right to recompense, but when they see that mercy, they come to know a merciful God. Who wants to fall into the hands of an angry God? We're supposed to preach the love. We're supposed to preach the mercy. Who in here hasn't needed mercy? So when we, when we demonstrate mercy, they understand that they have a merciful God, that they can fall into the arms of mercy in their lives. Peace. When you extend an olive branch, have you all ever had an olive branch extended to you when you didn't deserve it? Ha okay, let's get real. Has any one of you, myself included, ever gone into a tirade and you deserved wrath in return? And you met with someone who demonstrated peace and forgiveness immediately. They didn't give you what you deserved. They didn't respond in like manner. But they extended an olive branch. What did that probably do to your heart? That makes me want to have an olive branch. When, you know, makes me want to have an olive branch. If I, get, if I see that, you know, Jesus, beloved, was our olive branch. So, like, we could be met with anger. We could be met with criticism. We could be met with condemnation for something that we did. But instead, that person took the high road. We could have had the right to be angry, right, at that person. But that person takes, or they had a right to be angry at us. And that person takes the high road and extends peace. And when we experience the fruit of the Spirit, of peace that helps them to understand that they can fall into the loving, peaceful arms of Jesus. Hallelujah. It helps them get past the barriers of self-condemnation. Do you see how that would work? Because how many of you know when you've done something like that, immediately you start condemning yourself because you know what you've done. And when, when the olive branch is extended, it helps you get past that self-condemnation. I'm going to love you anyway. Because nothing you ever do is bad enough to make me stop loving you. It melts self-condemnation. And when we melt, when that self-condemnation in another person's life gets melted away, then they can react in peace to somebody else. Because if you condemn yourself all the time, you tend to condemn others. But that comes from a pain in your life. And we want to meet that pain with peace and loving kindness. So it helps them realize that no matter what they've done, Jesus loves them. No matter what they've done, they're going to be met with the love of Jesus. He's the olive branch. He's, he's the bridge from angst and, and anxiety and anguish into rest and peace. Okay, long-suffering. So when they see you 
when people see you display patience and long-suffering in a difficult or a trying situation. They can look at you and they can say, man, everything is coming against that person. And they're long-suffering. When they see that in your life, it helps them realize that when they're in a trying situation, that God's going to see them through also. He's no respecter of person. He's here to help each and every one of us at every moment of every day, every second in life. And they realize then that they have hope for their own situation, that all's not lost. They're going to make it through. There's light at the end of the tunnel. Perseverance is going to have this great reward. And they can see that when you have long-suffering in your life. Love, okay? Faith, hope, love. The greatest of these is love. That's the love of God. That's not, we're not talking about human love. We're talking about the love of God. Faith, hope, love. The greatest of these is love. When someone else sees you walk in the love of God to another, they come to know God's love for them. They can't help. They cannot help. There's no stronger force in this universe than the love of God. And when you walk in the love of God, another soul cannot resist that cannot. It is an irresistible force. 1 Corinthians 14.1, follow the way of love. Everyone wants to feel loved. Everyone wants to know that they're loved. And you can be the one that gets to show God's love into another human being. So these things, these are just a few, okay? I've just listed a few. You guys, could, you're, you guys will think of a lot more than what I thought of. But these are just a few offerings of the resurrection life that Jesus came to give us, to work through us, okay? And when we walk this way, we get to receive the true joy because this brings the presence of God, doesn't it? Doesn't, when, when we walk this way, don't, it ushers in the presence of God in our lives. And we get to walk in the true joy of sharing the love and and his heart for others, and his love for us. So this becomes a life, this dying to self. It becomes a life of rest. It becomes a life of rejuvenation. It becomes a life of refreshing for us. It's a life of being able to know that all is well, beloved. All is well. Because you have a Savior who gave it all up for you. This is the life of the testimony of Jesus that you have to offer. Have you ever been around someone and they just like exude the testimony of Jesus? Like they just like walk in this peace and you just like you get in their presence and you're just like, <laughs> I'm so thankful to be near you. And they, because they just walk in the love and the peace of the Lord and, and, and like you don't even want them ever to leave and you just feel rest and you feel like everything, all the bad yuck stuff like just drains out of you when you come in their presence. Well, see, that's how the Lord wants us to feel in his presence all the time. <laughs> so there's nothing, you know, Jesus said for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What was the joy? What was the joy? Come on, we studied this last week. What was the joy? Us. You're the joy. You're the joy. Say, I'm the joy. 
Say, I'm Jesus' joy. <laughs> and there's nothing more pleasant, there's nothing more rewarding in life than to be the testimony of Jesus to someone, to be the prophecy of, of his life into their life. And how grateful we are, how grateful. This is what we need to concentrate on. When, when this season, we can all become so busy. And we don't want to do that. And giving is wonderful. Giving is beautiful. But we give of self first. And we just want we, we to remember how grateful. We just want to exude gratefulness and thankfulness. We want to stop and think and be thankful for what he's placed in us. And for the power it's given, the joy it's given in our own lives, and for the joy that it brings to others when they get to know him, or when they get to know him in a, in a more full way. How grateful and blessed we are, beloved, to be able to celebrate this season. We should be celebrating it all year, but, you know, it's good that we have this special time. So anyway, let's just walk in the self-sacrifice and the joy that that brings. So that's what the Lord wanted me to share with you today. Um, so we're going to receive our, we're going to take communion, and then we will receive our tithes and offerings. Um, we have open communion.